0: Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. How many of you ever heard um, of a mustard seed? Anybody ever heard of a mustard seed? Yeah, a few of you. Okay, so here we go. Matthew 13. You're going to put this up on the screen, Brent? Matthew 13 first. Um, here we go. He told them another parable. This was Jesus talking. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. How many of you have ever planted something before? Yes. And all of a sudden, you water it, and the next day you come out, and nothing, right? But here we go. It says in the next verse right here, it says, Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches, okay? This is this reality that Jesus talked about, and then there was another time he talked about a mustard seed. Somebody give it to me. Where was it? Anybody know or what it says? When did Jesus talk about a mustard seed? Come on, you know this. Come on. What did Jesus say about a mustard seed? We're going to go there, Brent. Matthew 17. Anybody remember? Yes. Yeah. He replied "Um, Truly, I tell you, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and what? And it will move. How many of you have ever done this? You tried. Well, dang, what's going on, right? Like a faith of a mustard seed is this tiny little thing, right? So you don't need much faith to do major things, right? I think we read that that way. And I heard, I know Nathaniel caught this too, Chris Valentin talking about this, and I want to expound a little bit on a little bit more of what this looks like. And it all kind of ties back to even what we did this last week and certainly forward to what your school year can look like this coming year. Does this make sense? Are you with me? So, This translation probably isn't perfect, okay? But essentially it says if you have the faith as small as, like a mustard seed, a mustard seed requires a huge amount of faith. Right? That's a mustard seed right there. Yep. That's a human hand, and that is one mustard seed, okay? So how much faith do you have? I would say you have more than that. Probably. It says in the Bible that God gives each person a measure of faith. And if he was requiring of his dudes to have the faith of a mustard seed, then there must be at least that much that he would give you. He's not saying, like, go find faith. Go find it. Go hunt it down. No, he said, like, you've been given faith, but faith has to be activated. Faith doesn't just happen, right? Now, listen, I can put faith in this stage, right, like this. That took like a tiny, tiny bit of faith, right? Because it could have collapsed, right? How many of you ever sat on a chair? Yeah, do you like get down on all fours under the chair and inspect every inch of it before you sit down? No, you just, no, you don't. Or the couch, you know, you're just like, boom. Like you're exercising faith every time you sit down on something. In fact, every time you step on the sidewalk or the floor, you're just expressing faith in that floor to not just suck you in. Why is it so easy for you to express faith in the ground that you walk on? Anybody? What? Because you're used to it. You've done it so many times, right? Have you ever seen a tiny little baby try to do something new? It's like, you know, like, They free their poo on their butt. They They just don't know what is supposed to happen. But in experience over time, we don't even question that the stairs to the front door of the house are going to hold up because, you know, it's easy, right? Because things have been exercised over time. Faith has been easily strengthened. But now that's like such little, that's like minimal faith. It's like, oh, yeah, I walked up the stairs and they didn't collapse. Duh. Right? But here's the deal. How about moving a mountain? I know. It's like, yeah, I did it last week. It was kind of boring. Lots of people got mad because their house fell over. Like, I don't know. Like, seriously, you're like, oh, what but what is Jesus talking about when he says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed? Now, when you look at that mustard seed, how, how big do you expect that plant to be? Yeah, you think like a mustard plant, like a little tomato bush, right? How about this? Switch to that next picture, Brent. That's a mustard tree. (laughs) Right? That's pretty intense. Like, you see, like, a road and a house under it. A couple of houses. There's, like, two buildings underneath the mustard tree. Look at those palm trees that are right in front of it. Palm trees are huge if you've ever seen them, right? Those are big, tall. Like, this is a fence right here, right? Those are goats that's a mustard tree now listen did that mustard seed just go boom and the ground exploded and branches went everywhere and small animals were killed every direction like no that tree probably took 300 years or whatever to grow i don't know the facts on it but you know how this works right you've seen plants grow so do you think that Jesus might be saying that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, meaning this faith is not just a faith that's like, oh, I believe, Lord. Why didn't you show up? Like, Or does it mean, God, I know that that's what's coming out of that tree. So my faith says it's coming and it's going to be way bigger than this little thing that I see right now in front of me. It's a... Ongoing, I believe, until it happens. Even if I don't see any results, because you can plant a seed the next day, go out and see nothing, and say, "Wow, that seed must not work." That's a mustard tree, <laughs> right? You shouldn't have left, man. It's like the anyway. Okay, seriously, Brent, go back to the previous pic. Did you see the seed? Okay, boom. That's what comes from that little seed over time. So listen, how many of you have ever wished for something from God and it didn't show up? Wow, right? How many of you have waited for 300 years for it? No, you haven't. None of you have waited more than like 18 years for it. Right? Does this make sense? So here's the deal. How many of you have ever been in worship, singing with all your heart and not felt a thing? Right? And you start to go, and what if that happens three Wednesdays in a row? What if it happens for three years in a row? How? (laughs) I would probably not go to. What if it's more about your faith in what God is actually doing beyond what you can see? What if your worship is actually destroying strongholds in the spirit every time you open your mouth, every time you shut your eyes, every time you put your hands up? I'm not saying those are the keys to being good worshipers. I'm just saying every time your heart says, yes, God, just because like the walls don't shake and you don't start crying and feel goosebumps doesn't mean God's not moving So don't root your faith in what you feel very, like right in this very second. Real versus feel. You guys didn't forget that. Yes. All right. Good. Remember that week? Real versus feel. It's a difference. Feelings are not bad, but they're not it. Does that make sense? Because I have been through worship where I'm like, God, why do I not feel like you're awesome present because once you feel it once you're like i want that every time i pray i'm like every time i start to worship i just want to be like, ah! like you know like that feeling is indescribable, and you never want to go back but what happens when god says not yet in the best possible way here we go check this out um i got this verse this is an exodus it says worship the lord your god and his blessing will be on your food and water. How many of you want that? Yes, right? I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you full a full lifespan I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. This would be the demonic, okay? Because this was Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, foreign nations that worship foreign gods and were against God were representative of sin and demonic strongholds, okay? So when Israel went in and wiped out a city, they were wiping out a spiritual reality that was against God. This is what this looked like in the Old Testament. This is what this looks like for you now. Okay, it started. What was the very first phrase of this? Sorry, you could have this up there, I guess, Brent. I didn't give this to you, though. Exodus, Exodus twenty-three, twenty-five. If you want to throw it up there. Worship the Lord your God. Man, how about that? None will mi- I will take away sickness, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will, fi- I will give you a full lifespan. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every spiritual stronghold that comes against you. We'll fill that in, in a New Testament paraphrase, because no longer do nations represent the demonic, but the spirit still exists. And we are at war with every demonic stronghold and principality that we come up against. Depression. How about that? The spirit of suicide and self-harm and the spirit of, like, abortion and the spirit, like, you name it. Like, we could go on and on. The spirit of self-love. How about that? Like, being too stuck on yourself. (sighs) I will throw into confusion every spiritual stronghold you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you and drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of your way. Those would be representative of other spiritual strongholds. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and wild animals too numerous for you. So God says right here, I will drive them out, but I can't do it all at once because it wouldn't be the right timing for you to walk into it. Because by the time you got to the land, it would be desolate and there'd be too many animals. It wouldn't be good for you. Do you get this? God promises, I'll go ahead of you. I'll wipe out the strongholds. But that doesn't mean they're all gone already. Does this make sense? Ah, I like this. This was so cool. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean and from the desert to the Euphrates River. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land and you will drive them out before you. That's all we're going to do. Do you get the power of what this is? It all started with worship the Lord your God. That comes by an act of faith. And we watched this happen in the city of Harrisburg over the last 20 years, over the last four years, over the last three weeks where there were mission teams coming in. We're watching spiritual forces evaporate. I'll tell you most of the worship time that we spent cuz we worshiped in the morning and we worshiped at night for an hour and a half and most of that time I didn't feel anything happen at all. But I knew because God said if you worship I'll drive I'll, I'll drive it out before you. I was like, "Okay, we're going to worship because I know God's moving even when I can't see it." Some of you have that really cool gift of seeing in the spirit better than I can. And you probably would have been there going, like, I just watched this leave, and I just saw this, and blah, like, and I'll be like, really? Okay, like, and that's fine. I'm not like, I don't need to see it in order to worship because I know it works. I just know by faith I say, I will worship the rest of my life if I never get another warm, fuzzy feeling ever again. I will. I will. And I, when I feel like I'm just like totally had a, the worst week ever and the devil wants me to just be like, oh, don't go to worship. I'm going to worship anyway. Seriously, because if all I'm doing is worshiping to get a good feeling, then guess who I'm worshiping? Myself. It's all about me. So I'll do whatever wor- motion i got to do, and make the worst like, worship phase, like... That's how we show real passionate worship is like, you look like you're in pain. (laughs) You know, like, right, that's like real good worship. And then I'll get that warm fuzzy, which I love, by the way. Anybody love that feeling of the presence of God? Come on. But if that's why I worship, I'm losing the whole picture I'm worshiping because God promised that worship drives back darkness. And man, do I need darkness driven back in my world. So I will worship and I will worship and I will worship and I will worship regardless. Because I see a mustard seed, little me doing my thing, you know, like I might even jump a little bit, I want to get really excited or scream something, my little mustard seed moment because I see the tree because God told me it's there. Does that make sense? He promised that he's going to do this. Man, there's so many other verses on here. I don't think I'm going to get to all of them because we're almost out of time. Let me see what I have to say here. Joshua was promised the same thing in Joshua chapter one, right after Moses died. Joshua was like, was Moses's next dude in line. And because of the sin of Israel, Moses had been told, you won't be crossing into the promised land because they, so they wandered around in circles in the desert for 40 years, discovering who they were, missing the whole thing because faith lacked, they didn't have faith long enough. So they just had the same cycle, 40 years, wandering in the desert. What could have taken them about 40 days to make the journey? Took them 40 years because they were like, oh no, we don't believe, we don't believe. Like, and God finally said, okay, Moses finally passed away. God says to Joshua right away, get your people ready to cross into the promised land. This is the time. Every place you set your foot will become yours. Why? Because God said it would. So it becomes your territory, your place, your land. Oh, it's so good. Hebrews 11.1, one, we know this verse. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. Faith is, look at that, confidence in what we hope for. What do we hope for? Mustard tree. And it's the assurance about what we don't see when we throw that seed in the ground and we just go, okay, it's going to grow. But we know what seeds do, right? Why do we know what seeds do? Because we've seen it happen. You've all, you all did the little grass thing when you were in first grade with, in the little milk carton. Everybody do that? The little hairy guy, you know, like, and you get to cut his hair every time the grass grows, like, yay! Thankfully, because they're first graders, they use grass seeds that sprout really fast. Like, I think mustard seeds take, like, weeks or months to germinate in the soil, and then, like, you know, the first graders would have been like, forget it, stopped watering it four days in. You know, like, grass thankfully grows really fast. It's like little faith for that moment, but we know how this works, guys. So we believe that what's happening over Harrisburg right now is way bigger than what we can see because it's confidence in what we're hoping for. We're hoping for a city transformed. And it's the assurance of the things we don't see yet. It's just going, "Ah, but we know. Because God has done it over and over and over and over again. And how about your own life? How many of you have arrived? No, not yet. It's called faith for what God is doing in your life even when you don't feel it happening. He's strengthening you, you, preparing you. You have a role in the pace that that occurs. You're pressing into God, your belief in God without any reservation. Like, okay, God, I'm going to worship you as long as you show up in my this by next week. You know, like we put all these like parameters on God. How foolish. And we put conditions and we're like, God, oh, I'm just going to you better, you know, like, yeah, as if he owes you something. He doesn't owe you anything, but he's thrilled at what he's about to do in your life. And I'm thrilled to see what's going on in this group. I've been saying, like, I think 23 out of 26 of the team that we took downtown were, like, under 14, I think. Or about to at least 20. I can't remember who all is 14, 15 years old. How old are you, Chloe? 14, yeah. Cameron? 14? Fifteen. Okay, Julie, you might be one. So, like, over 20 of our 23 students we took are young. Which means, like, we've got years of you guys growing in this, exploring this. We're not looking at, oh, good, the seniors are, like, just went and did a really great mission. Like, that's good. But we're looking at longevity here, guys. Which means I talked about it a bunch on Sunday. What are you believing for for your school year this year? And I don't care if you're homeschooled. Believe for something big. Set your faith on a transformation in your home. If your home is doing pretty good, that better affect your neighborhood. Okay? If your neighborhood's doing good, then take your city. <sighs> right? How about you, your classroom at school? How about your group of friends? Start. Where's your vision? What are you setting it on? And like have like a multi-tiered vision for this school year. I said in first service, like over and over again, what you sow into the ground is what you're going to get. So if you go take a rock and you're like, oh, there's nothing in this, and you bury it in the ground, you're not going to get a plant. So if you look at this school year and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I hate school. I don't want to be there. This is going to be the worst year ever. That's a rock in the ground. <laughs> it's like, yep, hard, lifeless, dead. Welcome to your worst school year ever. Because you named it that. Or you can look at your school year with a seed and say, I'm putting this in the ground two, three, four weeks before school even starts and I'm going to see it grow all year long. And how about the next year? And how about the next year? And by the time I graduate, you might be in sixth grade. By the time I graduate, my school district's going to be transformed. Or maybe it'll be 20 years from now. But for crying out loud, if the seed has to take 20 years to grow, somebody better frickin' plant it now. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can be like, oh, well, I won't even see it grow. Well, that's selfish and stupid. I'm sorry. Like, right? I'm being mean now. It's like, oh, well, I won't even see it. So the whole eternal fate of my community, neighborhood, and my future, and the kids that might, my own kids, your kids might be in that school 20 years from now. So what seeds are you going to sow into that district, into that community, into that neighborhood, into lives? All the people around you are going to be the parents of your kids' friends. Probably, maybe. So sow seeds into your future. So some that will sprout in a year and some that will sprout in 100 years, they're all going to be the great fruit that God produces. And they don't have to be big seeds. I don't really know of very many big seeds. Almost all seeds are small. So do something this year. What's your vision? What do you want to see in your school? We talk about this too much, probably way too much. But it can happen, will happen. God's all over it, but he's like, I need somebody to plant a seed. Like, somebody. God causes growth. We can't make anything grow. Do you know that? We're just responsible to put seeds in the ground, dump some water on it every chance we get. But none of you have ever made a seed grow. None of you have ever made a garden happen. But you've prepped it, you've cared for it, you've weeded it, and God makes it grow. That's what your vision can be because nobody plants a garden hoping that they just have dirt. Nope, you don't, though. That wouldn't be a garden. <laughs> that would be dirt. Just There's lots of that out there, okay? Nobody invests their time for a dirt spot in their backyard. When people want a garden, they go like, I want dirt. You know, if you're going to do flowers, you do like, I want the pink ones like this. You put pink seeds, pink seeds, right? Where you want them? And purple flower seeds and like white flowers. And you get this, like you plant it out and you see a vision in your mind. I hope it looks like this. And then some of the plants die and you're like, oh man. no. Like, yes, that's real. But you have participation in it. And God's going, come on, by faith, do you want to see something transformed? Christian school kids, don't go like, oh, well, everybody's saved. Guess what? Not everybody has a vision to see their whole school lit up with the fire and passion of God. Not everybody in your Christian school is even saved. <gasps> so, what are you going to see to see your school transformed? Is your school perfect? I My mean, perfect Christian school. It's like everybody's so Wonderful. Please, come on. There isn't a school that exists that doesn't need your seeds to make it better, your vision that God has put in your heart, but you got to be like, God, I'm all over this. And then you come on Wednesday nights, you come on Sunday mornings, you hit your pillow at night, you wake up in the morning, and you worship. That's the water you throw on every seed that you plant. You worship. And if you feel no tingly feelings and no warmness and God doesn't show up in the room with angels, you worship. And you pray into it. And it's like water, fertilizer, water, fertilizer. Come on, mulch. There you go. Keep the weeds back. That's good. Preach. What? Are you catching this, you guys? Mustard seed. Small or is it long? Is it, it's both. It's like you don't need a lot, but you better hold what you got for a long time and not quit on it. Because that little mustard seed ain't going to do anything if you don't give it time. Stand up. What? Mulch? Oh, we actually do have a theme we forgot to tell you what it is. It's unstoppable. Which I heard then is one of Josiah's songs on his it's a single on your anyway, that's cool. I didn't know that. I really genuinely didn't know that. But we're it's unstoppable. Cause guess what happens to a seed that gets taken care of? It's unstoppable. Like for real. This little seed goes branches, roots, takes over. Unstoppable there. Yay, everybody say unstoppable. Unstoppable. Okay. Put your hands up right now. Close your eyes. Stop being distracted by the person around you. I know that you're like best friend. It's awesome. And I don't hate that. I think it's great. Right now, I want you to just begin dreaming with God about your year. And yes, we're doing this three or four weeks before school starts on purpose. Because school starts and you get busy and all of this, and man, if you don't have a vision going in, you probably are going to dread the school year starting. But what if your vision was to see something so radical happen in your school that you'd actually get excited to show up every day, that first day, that second day, that third day, because... The evidence of things hoped for and the assurance of things you don't yet see draw you to your school every day with a passion and a fire and an excitement because you're going to see God move in your school. And I believe with all my heart that God is faithful and plants do sprout. And it's so exciting to go out to your garden and start to see little green things popping up. There's no fruit on them. But little moments where God steps in and gives you little, hey, I'm moving. Hey, I'm growing. Hey, I'm doing it. And you celebrate when you see little things. You hear all these stories about all these students praying for, their, for praying for people in the city and praying for strangers. And hopefully all you guys, like, can do this. But I think hope and joy. Who was praying for girls in their basketball team? Was it one of you guys your mom was saying? Did you guys pray for somebody on your basketball team or somebody? Someone? I forget who it was. I can't remember. thought it was you guys because you play basketball. Did you have somebody? Oh, I forget. Okay. But yeah, anywhere you are, this isn't hard. You don't need big qualifications to pray for people. You just simply see a need in someone's life, whether it's financial. Go get some money out of your account and bless them. That's like praying for someone. That's like God show up. Boom. Let them know that they're loved in a tangible way. Someone's telling their story about their summer, and oh yeah, and this happened, and my dad left, bailed on mom and I over the summer. You, when you go back to school, oh man, what a moment to pray for strength in that time, for restoration of relationship, for whatever God just puts on your heart, and he will, because you're tracking a vision that sees your whole school transformed in the best possible way. And then morning, noon, and night, you worship God. Do it. Just worship God with your heart. That means sitting in your desk between tests or quiet, like if you just have nothing else to do, instead of pulling out your phone and checking your Facebook, just go like, God, thank you for what you're doing in my school. You don't even have to say it out loud if you're embarrassed. But I bet you do this for three, four months. You'll start seeing God moving so powerfully in your school that you'll start praying out loud in your classroom because... (laughs) You'll be so excited you won't care anymore what everybody thinks because they're getting all affected and blown out and blessed by the presence of God in your school. And now suddenly people are like, whoa, you're the one praying for all of us? Sweet. Yeah, you go like, no, that would never happen. Knock it off. Believe. It's not up to you, it's up to God to carry that out. But you've got to stand in faith and not go like, oh, that's not going to happen in my school. My school's terrible. Worship. Drive back darkness. Drive back every principality in your school. Every demonic force and presence that there, that's there. You, want to, you may not see it happen. You may not feel anything happen. It might get wind or something cool happen as you're like praying for your school, for your friends. But even if you don't, worship. Because God said, when you do, I'm pushing back the dark. Come on, if you don't get a vision for your school year, it's going to suck. I'm so serious. Like, what in the world? What are you doing? What are you going to do for nine months sitting in a desk taking tests and doing homework? If that's what it's all about, it might be weird if you're enjoying it. Come on, for real? Some of you might. I don't want to offend anybody who loves school every minute of every day because it's just learning. But come on, there's got to be more to it than homework and tests that you will not remember three weeks later. Set a vision in your mind for what God's going to do in your school. Ask him if you're like, I don't even have a clue what that's supposed to look like. Ask him and then give him time to answer. Don't wake up in the morning and be like, God, show me a vision for my school. All right, off to my games. Like, like, come on. Meditate with God. You don't have to be weird and religious about it. But as you go through your day, be like, God, show me stuff speak to me i want to hear your voice i need a vision from heaven is that cool i'm talking really long i'm sorry kind of put your hands up again say god thank you for giving me vision for my friends my school my family my neighborhood my city my state It just keeps getting bigger. When you start dreaming with God, it doesn't get like, oh, that was boring. It's like suddenly you start getting bigger pictures. So, God, thank you for vision for my entire country. God, for the world. You can repeat after me. For my country. For my world. From the littlest to the smallest, or to the biggest, sorry. God, I thank you that you've promised to move so, God, I want to plant seeds for these things that I believe for. And I trust you in faith that it's going to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was recorded live at Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.